Welcome to the Ordinals Podcast, produced by Ord Media, featuring the top builders, projects, and investors pioneering Bitcoin inscription protocols and the future of digital artifacts. Welcome, everyone, to the Ordinals Podcast. I'm your host, Ragnar Leithracer. This is the Genesis episode. This is what's going to kick off the entire podcast. This will be the very first one. We're very lucky to be joined by Aaron Redwing. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be first episode. <laughs> no pressure at all. You're setting the tone for the entire series, so no yeah, pressure. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Aaron and I were quickly talking, and the idea here is every story has a beginning. And just like in the Bible, the first book of the Bible was Genesis. And Genesis, of course, is where God, you know, he, he creates the heavens and the earth and puts people on the earth and sort of puts everything in motion. And, and once he set everything in motion and put the limits of the stars and the moon, then that's sort of it. That's what we're working with. There's opportunities, there's constraints, there's risks, there's drama, there's everything. And I think I see a parallel with that and with ordinals. Ordinals has a beginning and has a story. That's why we're lucky to have Aaron here, who's going to lay down the truth before one day history gets changed, perhaps by future censors, the Ordinals protocol. We'll see. So we're here with Aaron to help us uh, know the truth. Nice. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think Ordinals has such a fun kind of esoteric feeling to it. Like it, it I mean, I often say like, you know, Casey was just so obsessed with Bitcoin and this is just like an ode to Bitcoin, like creating this, this protocol. And, um, you know, I think like the question of like, did he invent it or did he discover it? Like all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's such good lore material, you know? So it's, it's been a crazy ride, but it's fun to kind of see like how things have evolved over the last couple of months. Yeah. Talk about a journey. I mean, we're going to focus on the beginning and then at the end, we'll talk about today, July, 2023. Now that you have some perspective on the beginning, do you see the past differently than you were seeing it at the time? So let's start there. So you have the Hell Money podcast. So we're going to kind of use that as an anchor in time. We're going to talk about kind of the major episodes and sort of use those as context, sort of a timeline calendar for ordinals. So Aaron, kick us off. When did you start the Hell Money podcast with Casey? Or how did you even meet Casey? Why don't we go back? When yeah, okay. and why did you meet Casey? So, um, okay. So I met Casey. Casey was actually the first person that I met at a Bitcoin meetup. Um, he was the first person I talked to. Um, I got into Bitcoin pretty independently. Like I just kind of went down the rabbit hole, got obsessed. Um, and as a result, like I had some friends that kind of were like, oh, I know about crypto or whatever. But for the most part, like I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it. Um, and after a while of that, I was kind of like, OK, I guess I just need to go meet some strangers in person. So I went to a Bitcoin meetup. Um, I'm lucky that I live in the Bay Area. So there's a lot like the, the Bay Area Bitcoin meetup is, is an incredible group. I highly recommend if anyone's in the Bay Area to attend one of the meetups. It's, it's an awesome community. Um, but yeah, the first meetup I went to, I literally just sat across from Casey and just talked about Bitcoin for a while. And I was like, wow, Bitcoiners are really smart. Um, and then uh, from that meetup, I got convinced to buy a ticket to Bitcoin Miami. And I was like, is this crazy? Like, I don't know if I should what do year this. Was this this was, was 2022. Um, yeah. So I, I got convinced to buy a ticket to Bitcoin Miami went to Bitcoin Miami. That was maybe three months later or so. Like, I think I met Casey in like January, 2022. Um, so I went to Miami again, didn't really know that many people. I knew a couple people from that meetup, but not super well. And then I saw Casey speak. Um, he was just on, like, I think he was on the open source stage. I can't remember what he was talking about, but he was on a panel and I just remember thinking like, wow, he's such a good speaker. Like he's very eloquent and he just, He's really good at breaking down highly technical topics to a level that anyone can understand. Um, and I had kind of been in the market for a podcast. Um, I like talking. I like content creation. And so like I sort of had it in my mind for maybe like six months at that point that like, you know, if something came up, I wanted to try to pursue it. Um, and so I ended up just like from that talk that I saw being like, I think I'm going to see if this guy wants to do a podcast, like maybe I can pitch it to him. And so later that night, I met up with him and some other Bay Area people at 
uh, I think it was last weekend. It was just like a hot spot that year um, in Miami. And I showed up and I was like, how do you feel about doing a podcast? And he was like, I don't know. Like, this is like, kind of just was like, I don't think so. Like, why would anyone listen to that? What would it be? And I was trying to sell him for a while. And then after maybe like an hour of back and forth, like he, it kind of, to me seemed like it was a no, but then like a couple hours later, I think he was going to leave. It was probably like two 30 in the morning or something. He was going to leave and he was just like, Hey, let's do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so then when we got back to the Bay area, we like hung out a couple times. Um, you know, I had talked to him a little bit before then, but we weren't super close. And so we were kind of just like sussing out, like, does this work? Does the dynamic, you know, work? What, what is this really going to be? And the idea was to have a Bitcoin education podcast where one person was highly technical and highly knowledgeable and the other person was learning, essentially. Um, and so we started out with the first episode was the Bitcoin white paper, because obviously that's, you know, the best place to start. And we just went through and literally read through paragraph by paragraph of the white paper. Um, and, and then May 22nd, I yeah. watched this episode. It is amazing. I love your guys to start. You started with the white paper. It was so appropriate. And I just loved it because it you guys are grounded in Bitcoin. You met at a Bitcoin meetup. You're a Bitcoiner. Your first episode for your podcast was the white paper. The birth of your podcast was as Bitcoin as it gets. Oh, yeah, totally. And I, I feel like I got so lucky meeting Casey when I did, like, I mean, for many reasons, but a big one just being like, I feel like I've done five years of Bitcoin education in one year from just having access to someone who's so knowledgeable. Like, it's interesting when I look back at like clips or past episodes to see how much I've learned, like in a year's time about Bitcoin. Like, I feel like starting with that white paper episode, like, I knew a lot about maybe the political or economic or societal kind of side of Bitcoin. But in terms of the technical details, I didn't know anything. I didn't know why Bitcoin worked. And and it's cool to see that process of learning about all these sort of technical and, and, and not always super technical. It can be, you know, more economic or societal as well, like the episodes that we've done. But just to see someone like go through that process of learning, I think, I, I think it's helpful, at least, I mean, it has been for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like the episodes that you, I think you guys got the mix right, kind of the learning, the non-technical person with the technical person. It's a nice, nice balance you guys have. So that was May 22nd, your first episode, Bitcoin White Paper. And then August 24th of 2022 is when you came out with, I think it's your second episode, but either way, it was, is when you guys talked about Ordinal Theory Explained. So that was August 24th. When did Casey first started telling you about ordinal theory? Uh, as soon as I met him, he was talking about, I mean, at, at that time, you know, January, 2022, um, I think he had just sort of started working on ordinals. I mean, I think the idea had been kind of like in the back of his mind for a little while. Um, and I think he seriously started working on it around then. And I mean, one thing that was really nice about his process is that he literally would just talk about ordinals to anyone who would, like give him the time of day. Like he would go to meetups and just ask like every single person, like, here's this idea. What do you think? Like try to break it essentially, you know, like, like, do you have critiques? Are there holes that you can poke? Like he really did his due diligence of trying to get feedback from every possible person that he could. And so like, you know, by the time I knew Casey, like, I mean, he was the ordinals guy for the whole time I've, I've ever known him. Um, and then I guess it was August that, he kind of had like the ordinal theory side of it figured out enough to present. But I mean, it's funny, like, I mean, I think ordinal theory is brilliant. It's, it's so like bizarre and weird, but that was something that came about because he needed a way to put NFTs on Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, when you think about the difference well, between NFTs like, to him, that was right, like I, know. Episode, I, know. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's like, that's what it was, right? Like, it's like, yeah. he saw NFTs happening on other chains and was like, oh, I want to do that on Bitcoin. How do I do that? And then like from that question came this like deranged numbering scheme for Satoshis, you know, like it, it was a really funny process. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is so strange. And and I remember him like I followed him. We fought each other on Twitter for a while. And I remember him tweeting about it. I just thought, oh, this is a KC smart person nerd thing. Like, what is this numbers? You know, 
went over my head. I don't know about how you felt at the time. Like, so let me ask you about that. So you're, you're getting your crash course in Bitcoin new on the technical side, at least. And then you have Casey telling about ordinal theory. Was it like comprehensible? Like, how did you put the two together? Cause I'm still learning about Bitcoin after all these years and I'm still obviously learning about ordinal. So what was that like for you to like learn about Bitcoin, but then also try to grok like ordinal theory? Did it make sense or was it hard or how was it? Honestly, it made like more sense to me than Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Reason being like it's, I mean, ordinal theory is essentially a numbering scheme based on time cycles within Bitcoin, right? Like it's like you have this block and then there's the Satoshis in the block. And if you do like the degree notations and the different, like, you know, the first Satoshi after the first having of the new difficulty, like there's all these kind of cycles that sync up if you subscribe to the rarity side of ordinal theory. Um, and so for me as an astrologer, like that made so much sense, you know, like I saw the cycles and the way that he was kind of like looking at like, you know, these Satoshis being distributed as a part of these like repeating cycles in Bitcoin. And I was like, oh, Bitcoin is fun. Like Bitcoin is is weird. And there's kind of something bizarre here to look at. And and it also like wasn't really clear at that point, like what what about this was going to be cool? Like something that I thought was going to be really popular that I've barely really seen anyone care about is Casey came up with this like naming scheme. Like every Satoshi has mm-hmm. a name. It's it's like yeah. a string of characters, right? And so most of them are boring, but some of them are cool. Some of them are actual words or, you know, someone's name or whatever. Um, and that was something that I thought like, oh, people are going to want this for screen names or people are going to use this as website. Like, I, I don't know. Like it's been funny to see like, there were all these different little rabbit holes that you could kind of go down with ordinal theory. And it, and it was fun. It's it's fun to kind of like geek out about something like this. It's just like so deranged, yeah. you know? Absolutely. It, it is deranged. And I love your background <laughs> in astrology. And I, I want to talk about astrology and ordinals and the crossover and how it all came together. You two, it's it's a weird universe thing. But before we get that, I I, I like that you brought up the names because I did look into the names. So Casey messaged me in December and said, Hey, Ragnar, I have ordinals there. It's working out. You should check it out and you should try it for your, for Trajan, which is my, my app. And he said, you have names, you know, there too. So I checked it out in whatever, January, February. And I asked him in the GitHub about the names, like, Hey, I'm looking for a naming system for my app. And he said, well, you know, use, use those names. But it's like you said, a lot of the names are weird and they don't kind of match what a lot of people were using, but I still, think it's cool and maybe I will find a good one and use it. So we can bookmark that, but I'm glad you brought up the names because yeah, people aren't using them, but it'd be fun. I think to be able to like, if you had your UTXO, I think it'd be fun to be able to look through all the names that you have and see if you have anything cool. Like, I think that's the problem. It's like, if you're trying to seek out one specific Satoshi, of course, that's going to be really hard. Like if you want, you know, the Aaron Redwing Satoshi, like, Someone actually does have that. It was it was created in I think like 2014 or 2015. I've looked it up. It exists somewhere, but I don't have it. But like oh. to be able to look through your own UTXO and see like if you have weird words, I think I think that could be something. Like someone build that, please. <laughs> yeah, has no one built that. I'm surprised. I guess no. So that's much what to... I'm saying. Hmm. Like, <laughs> well, I'm going to tweet about that and say, hey, Aaron says to build this uh explorer for the names exactly she, dropping her, some alpha you know yeah just drop some alpha and aaron <laughs> is willing to pay up to half a bitcoin for aaron redwing exactly exactly that that's how someone will build it i'm telling you <laughs> i love it so, so you talked about the rabbit holes and and the names is one of the rabbit holes and there's more so going back to astrology then so because you know i'm not too into astrology i've looked into it a little bit so Tell us about the crossover. What does astrology have to do with ordinal theory? Where, where's, where could you learn from one or the other? What are the patterns there? What's the interface? Yeah. So I think actually Pierre Rochard said it best when ordinals was first popping off and all the maxis were like freaking out about it. He said, oh, it's like astrology for Bitcoin. And I think that is like exactly correct. And I don't think he necessarily knew how correct he was when he said that. But essentially what ordinals does is it creates meaning out of time cycles. And that's that's just the basic underlying premise of astrology is like, you know, you have these cycles, uh, one of which being, 
you know, the earth going around the sun. So a lot of people are familiar with their sun sign, right? That's just your birthday. And then it correlates to a zodiac sign. You know, that's one cycle of just like the earth orbiting around the sun. And so we make some sort of meaning out of that. And then you can do that for all the other planets, right? Like you can see where Mercury was or Venus was or Mars was or all these sort of things. And then we just kind of like, you know, create mythology around that essentially. Um, yeah. And so that that's like the connection I see is like, it's kind of like a weird esoteric, like myth-making strategy that, that you can kind of do what you want with. Like if you don't want to subscribe to, you know, rare sats, that's fine. Just like if you don't want to subscribe to like, the meaning of your birth at a certain time, like that's also fine, but that structure is still there, right? Like the cycle and the observation of that, those cycles it is, you know, intrinsic to the thing. Um, yeah. So that's the connection I see. I, I see that. Yeah. It's sort of like there's a structure you can insert meaning into that, but I think the structure itself has meaning regardless. Like yeah. if, you, if you look at the orbits, there's meaning there, there's events. And so I think one leads into the other. You put in meaning and you get out meaning and there is meaning and, and it's opt in in a way. Totally, totally. And it's just, you know, it's it's silly. It's low stakes, you know, like it's yeah. I think like ordinals made Bitcoin fun. Astrology can kind of make like space fun or, or like I, I feel like when I got into astrology, so my background, I'm an astronomer by profession. That's oh. like my day job, okay. which there's, if there's any other astrologer astronomers out there, please let me know. Cause I've yet to meet another one, but I got into astrology after working in planetary science. And one of the things that really struck me about being into both of those things is, you know, I could use telescopes and write scientific papers and all of this stuff but I couldn't tell you where something was in the sky if I looked up at it because it's it's very divorced from like the tangible reality of the moment. Whereas astrology is all about the moment. It's like, oh, the moon is in cancer right now. And that means this or happy Gemini season, everyone. Like it's very much about time and place. And I really liked that studying astrology added that kind of like dimension of fun to it. And I, I think Ordinals does that for Bitcoin also, you know, like just, just yeah. having those cycles that like, it gives you something to be excited about, you know? Yeah. And I could see how, how one would draw you into learning about it. So a lot exactly. of people, right? Like when, when ordinals came out, you saw a lot of people asking, what is UTXO? You know, and, and that's how they got interested in, not because of one thing or another, but ordinal theory taught them that. And well, wait, why is this Satoshi rare? Oh, because it was the first one mined at the having block. Well, what's the having block, mm -hmm. you know? And so by having this fun thing, you learn the hard science and it sounds like astrology. It's amazing. You're also an astronomer, but, but if you actually look at it, you like, you can learn about, okay, Mars, its orbit is actually, you know, some orbits are tilted. Some Ill orbits are actually elliptical. Some planets spin in reverse, right? It's kind of, you get into it by learning those things and charting it out. Like these birth charts, right? You see the angles I mean, we can go down the birth chart rabbit hole and ordinal theory. I don't know, but. It's, I think it's a similar idea though, right? You could learn about it. Yeah, totally. I think like anything that gets people excited about learning those things, like, I mean, that was also kind of an inspiration for Hell Money. I feel like when you, when you watch those episodes, you see like, I'm, anytime it gets too dry or technical, like I'm always in there trying to crack a joke. Like, I'm like, I'm like, we're losing people. Like we gotta keep it Come back. entertaining, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, people really should check out the podcast because it really does explain things well. So you guys had the first one, May, 2022, August 24, Ordinal Theory Explained. People should watch that. You guys did a great job of explaining it in a digestible manner. And so when you guys were doing that, were you thinking it was going to be, because you guys had your friends, we're talking about this for a while. Why did you make that video? And what were you thinking when you made it with Casey? I think... By that point, I had watched him try to explain ordinals to at least like 30 or 40 people, like at meetups, that kind of thing. Um, and so I had a good idea of what were the things that people like really didn't understand or were hard to grasp. And, and when you told people like, what were the things that they got excited about? What were the things that like, you know, that, that just were easy and they were like, oh, that just makes sense. And so I think that episode came out of many like trial and error 
like sessions of trying to like ordinal pill people essentially um and i mean i just think like i i i thought ordinals was a funny interesting cool idea like i i wanted him to be able to like communicate that and and you know besides our episode he also had super detailed blog posts about it like he has a lot of documentation about ordinal theory that i think is very like concise easy to understand um but you know having another person there to kind of bounce stuff off of and ask those questions like i think it was good that i got to kind of see how other people processed it first and then see like okay we got to make sure we talk about this i have to make sure this question's asked that kind of thing um but at that time like it wasn't something that i thought like i don't think either of us thought like oh this is going to blow up this is yeah. going to be huge like yeah. You know, I'm I'm not in the NFT crypto world, so that that side of things was, I mean, that that's all new to me as of this year. You know, like I didn't realize how big that world was, and now seeing it, I'm like, okay, of course this blew up, but at the time yeah. we definitely didn't know that. So, so at the time here in August 24th, 2022, you guys recorded this episode about the theory, and you were kind of doing it to help Casey maybe put it out there, explain it in a good way. And it really does a good job. Just like the white paper, it really explains Bitcoin the best. And I think Casey's documentation explains it the best. Like, don't go to secondary sources. Read Casey's, uh, you know, writings because it's very concise. He's a, he's actually a very good writer. And then same with your podcast. Uh, I highly recommend people people watch it. So go. I'm going to go back to astronomy and astrology for a second, if I can, because did. Did you see, do you think your background at all helped you with ordinals? I mean, you said it was fun, but in terms of like the technology, the theory, because you're, you know, astronomy, that's science. So did that science intersect with the science of ordinal theory? Was there anything there in terms of like math or science? Oh, totally. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I'm a technical person first and then like a weird esoteric spiritual person second. Like I, my parents are both science. My dad's a scientist. My mom's an engineer. Um, you know, that side of things is much more like comfortable to me, honestly, it might not seem like that, like now, cause I feel like I've totally gone off in a different direction, but, um, I was raised like very like logic technology brain. Um, and I think that's also what really attracted me to Bitcoin. You know, I, I like the first principle stuff. I like the, I like thinking about things in terms of incentives and kind of game theorying things out. Like how does this play out if you do this? And what about this? And, you know, how do you create structures of incentives that really work? Um, and so I think that side of it was always like the thing that came first. Um, and then the weird esoteric side came later in my life. And so, you know, ordinals, it's like, it's like a fun combination of both. That's, that's like my favorite thing is if you can have like, you know, a weird degen math project like that, that you can create lore on top of and, you know, people can kind of play around with it and build cool stuff. Like, I mean, it's just the perfect medium, you know? Yeah. So when are you going to do an inscription of, of the astronomy, astrology, ordinal theory? Like that's, tell me you have, have done it already. If you're going to, <laughs> or what can you share from your alpha? I mean, that just seems like the great project to do. So what we have, so like, um, my, I have a Bitcoin astrology group called the Aquarian conspiracy. Um, we actually did an event at Bitcoin Miami, like the day before your event, um, uh, in Miami. Um, and we did a collection of the 12 Zodiac signs. So just like inscribe the 12 Zodiac signs, um, get that like on the blockchain. And then, you know, we're kind of playing around with like, what could you do with like charts? Like, um, I've also thought a little bit about like sat astrology, like the astrology of a single sat when it was born, you know, like, just like you could have a natal chart for a person, you could have a natal chart for a sat, right? And like, what's the meaning there? Actually, I think if you go to satastrology.com, you can type in your birthday and it'll give you all the inscriptions that match your, uh, your astrology. So that's, oh I'm gosh. pretty sure that website's working. I don't know. We kind of were playing around rabbit hole it. you just created. For yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I think there's a lot of stuff. I mean, honestly, it's just like time. Like, I feel like this is everyone's problem in ordinals. It's like everyone has so many ideas. And then it's like, how do you allocate the and prioritize your time accordingly? So like, right now, I'm trying to focus on just like, building out the Aquarian conspiracy community and try to see like, you know, are there other people that think about Bitcoin and astrology and ordinals in this kind of way, you know, in this sort of spiritual, esoteric, 
kind of philosophical lens, um, connect those people together and then see what projects come out of that. Like that's, that's kind of my MO right now okay. is, is working on that. Yeah. So that's the update. Aaron's update, which she's currently working on in July is Aquarian, um, community. And, and I want to go back to 2022, but I want to stay on this for a second though. So Aquarian, why Aquarian? So, uh, have you heard of the age of Aquarius? It's yes. like a, yeah, pop, pop astrology term, um, started in the sixties with the hippies. They were like, Oh, we're in the dawning of the age of Aquarius. I think they were, they were kind of at the beginning, but it's a long-term process. So the age of Aquarius, um, it refers to the procession of the equinoxes. So if you can picture the earth, like, you know, the North pole being up here, the South pole being up here, the pole isn't exactly straight up and down. It's like at an angle. Right. Mm -hmm. And that angle changes over time. And the, the period of time for it to go the whole way around is about 25, 26,000 years. And so if you divide that up into all the zodiac signs, because, you know, you can imagine like the pole is pointing in a direction that gives about 2000 to 2500 years per sign. And so what people are talking about when they talk about the age of Aquarius is, um, you know, we're, we're currently in a transition out of the age of Pisces. That's the age that we've been in since the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, and we're now entering the age of Aquarius. And uh, so you, my group's called Aquarian Conspiracy just because conspiracy was fun. But it's it's Aquarian because we really believe that like Bitcoin is a part of this dawning of the age of Aquarius. Um, it's about the internet. It's about this kind of like connection and decentralization. Um, and it's interesting. Like I find that when I tell astrologers about Bitcoin, they get it so fast mm. because of that kind of prior knowledge of like, they're looking for stuff like that. They're looking for decentralized technology that allows people to be individuals within a collective. Like that's literally what the age of Aquarius is about. And and so like when they hear about Bitcoin, they're like, Oh, of course, like, yeah, this will be part of it for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely procession of time. So that's the age of Aquarius is that's that dawning and an era of social good, right? Something, something like that. And Bitcoin, they say, is the dawning of a new era. We'll see. Um, it's a dawn of a lot of things, but but yeah, that that makes sense. And um, and like people call Bitcoin like a timestamp. Like people call it the timestamp. It's instead of like the blockchain, they call it the time chain. And so yeah. it makes sense. The having cycles, confirmation cycles. There, then there's the numbers of like. Um, how many are created and it's, it's just, yeah, it's a lot of numbers. So it's, it makes sense. Totally. I also, I love the idea of, you actually kind of alluded to this at your um, opening remarks at Ordinals 2023, but like, I love thinking of the Bitcoin blockchain as being, you know, this giant structure that we're making in digital space. And we're like graffitiing on the megalithic structure, you know, like we're inscribing in the great pyramid that we're building in the internet. Like, I feel like, there's something really, I don't know, fun about that idea of like, what kind of mark do you want to make on this huge structure that like, you know, if you think about it from the perspective of like archaeologists, thousands of years, like digging up the Bitcoin blockchain, like they'd be like, why did they expend all this energy to like put these monkeys on here? Like, what did they do this for? How did they move those blocks? You know, like it's exactly it's it's the long term perspective on Bitcoin and, you know, what it is that we're doing when we put these, you know, permanent inscriptions on Bitcoin, like these things will be around for, I think, longer than any of us, you know, and yeah, hopefully. It's, it's cool to think about. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Oh, thanks for bringing up the, the conference. Yeah, I really appreciated you moderating at Ordinals 2023. Uh, you did, you know, the core protocol panel. It was one of the most watched uh, videos that we've had. People really loved it. So Thanks for thanks for doing that. That was a big boost for us. Really appreciated it. And uh, hopefully you'll come back when we do in 2024. Um, so thanks for that. Um, yeah, so let's now go back in time. Let's go back in time to 2022. And I'm looking at the notes for the podcast. Um, so for Hell Money Podcast, January 30th was the next one. It's Ordinal Inscriptions, NFTs on Bitcoin. So that's when you guys made this video about, okay, this is NFTs on Bitcoin. Prior to that, like, let's, let's go prior to that. So December, 2022, kind of what was going on, like at the end of 2022 in terms of ordinals, you, Casey. Yeah. Yeah, he was, so 
I think actually if you watch the episode before that, like inscriptions one, I'm pretty sure we're talking about astrology in that one. And I think so. So he had kind of been like playing around with the inscription tool. I think like inscription zero was December 14, something like that. It was, something it was like in mid December. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Casey and, and other kind of like early ordinals degens were playing around with that tool early on before it was kind of like officially launched and, you know, kind of put out there and, and it just took off. Um, but I remember like that episode that we filmed before that, that NFTs on Bitcoin one, um, he was talking about like, oh, I'm going to like, whatever, work on this inscription tool, blah, blah. And I was talking about how January 20th was this like very auspicious new moon in Aquarius and like everyone who has like oh, a little right. project they want to do, like they should, they should put some intentional effort. And he was like, oh, like maybe I could launch the inscription tool. And he did. He launched the inscription tool on January 20th. And so like, it's funny looking back, like, <laughs> like at that episode, because it's just like, I mean, literally within like three days, like it completely blew up. Like it was just, I literally said like, you should manifest whatever thing you're trying to oh bring gosh. into the world. So, so do you take credit? Do you tell Casey if you had done it on a different day, things would have gone differently and it's oh, all Oh, exactly. Yeah. Spiritual advisor, you know, ordinals Oracle over here. Yeah, I like that. No, it could be though. It could be. I mean, I mean, look at the results. Like, let's be scientists about this. He did launch, <laughs> launch it on that day. And according to astrology, that was a good time to launch it and it worked out. Oh yeah. And that's actually like kind of what I like about astrology is like Casey's totally not a believer in astrology. I mean, he's like, he humors me about it, you know, like he appreciates my passion, but like, he's not someone who sat down and was like, okay, this is the day I should manifest ordinal inscriptions. Like it just fit into his calendar, you know? And I think that's yeah. kind of like an interesting example of how like astrology works, whether you believe in it or not, like, you know, you can observe that and be like, okay, that wasn't, even necessarily premeditated it just happened you know yeah. and it, it fits the timeline <laughs> manifesting one day we'll know the, all the answers well that's great so mm -hmm. yeah january the inscription tool um what were, what were you guys thinking at this time so it's january now casey i he sent me a message in december about ordinals uh you know i didn't do anything about it um what were you guys thinking were you like okay this is launched now we'll see where it goes or, or were you thinking hey this could be something like where were you when he made the inscription until early January, late December. I mean, it, it blew up so fast. Like, I think, I think retrospectively it makes sense, right? Like you, anyone who is looking at the mempool all of a sudden sees, sees these giant transactions and they're like, what, what is going on here? Like, why is there this giant transaction? What is all this extra data? And so it kind of makes sense why that was the thing that kind of made it go viral. You know, that just was something that, it wasn't about anyone like promoting it or trying to get people to pay attention. It's just, you see those transactions in the mempool and you're curious about it. And so mm -hmm. it really did happen like overnight in terms of like the tool getting launched, people starting to inscribe. I, I mean, I feel like within like a hundred inscriptions, like it was like taking off like crazy. Um, and what was really interesting about those early days is uh, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure most people who watched that remember, like, there was such, like, an outcry from the maxis, you know? And, like... But I thought you guys were maximalists. So if you exactly, watch, like, if you watch like, the, <laughs> the podcast, you guys are maximalists. You're yeah, intolerant. Like, you don't like shit coins. So come on now. I know. I mean, it's it's that's what's ridiculous. Is it's, like, Casey is literally the biggest Bitcoin maxi I know. Like, in terms of, like, true, like, technical understanding, obsession, like, like, he loves Bitcoin, you know, mm -hmm. and, and ordinals is good for Bitcoin. Like no matter what angle you take on it, like it's good for Bitcoin, you know? And I think what was so interesting about those first, like, especially the first two to three weeks was watching people go through the process of understanding what was happening. And, and it really made me realize like, um, you know, Twitter is a place where people react, it's not necessarily a place that people come to bring their most refined, cohesive thoughts. That's not always the case. Of course, there's some people who really do put like a lot of time and effort and have intentionality. But for the most part, what you're seeing is just like people kind of like reacting and then forgetting about what they said a couple days later. And I think like it was really interesting to see the reactions of people that 
I thought were like very, very technical, smart people just, just totally misunderstand what ordinals was. And I don't know, like th those first How few weeks. How do they misunderstand it? Um, I'm trying to think like, I mean, first of all, just even the difference between ordinals and inscriptions, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, that, that was something that early on people just like did not have any like understanding of. And, um, I think even the complaints about like, you know, like, like putting content in the blockchain, bloating the blockchain, like, what does that mean? F even actually something as simple as like fees going up, right? Like that's something that like maxis want, right? Like we want fees to go up. We want the network to be secure. Fees need to go up. Stuff like that was something that I was surprised at how many people were so upset about fees going up. And I was like, this this feels like a no-brainer that like this yeah. should be good, you know? Yeah, well, it's because of what's what's driving the fees. And at first, I kind of thought that too. Although I've always been like pounding the table, hey, the fees are too low, kind of kind of Bitcoiner. But I had a maximalist tell me, hey, this really is just junking up the mempool. Like these aren't valid transactions. These aren't financial transactions. These are monkey JPEGs. And so you guys, as as maximalists, I mean, did you think about that? Like, hey, maybe this is junk in the mempool, like we're maximalists, this is sound money, right? Like it's the end of fiat. So how did you guys see, how do you, how do Casey, whatever, see these transactions as not being just meaningless junk and they're valid transactions as maximalists? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the big complaint, right, is like, you know, bloating the blockchain, like using all this data, whatever, you're still limited by the size of the blocks, right? Like you can only go up to four megabytes, like, like, you know, you can fill the block, but you can't really bloat it to a level that I think is truly unsustainable. And I mean, I think, you know, we had the block size wars, like we kind of went through that, like, why do we need blocks this size? Why can't we have larger blocks? Like all of that. I feel like that really is where this got figured out in terms of like, you know, using data and bloating, like, like you're just always going to be limited by that block size. And I think the block size is the right limit. Ideally, we have full blocks, in my opinion. Um, in terms of like a valid transaction, it's like, I don't know, you could kind of make that argument about all art, right? Like, why does anyone buy art or, you know, buy something that's not essential or that some might see as frivolous? Like, because that's what people yeah. do, you know? And I think that the way I see it is people using Bitcoin. I'm very pro people using Bitcoin. And also as a maxi, I kind of view it as harm reduction where all these people that were on shit coins are now coming back to Bitcoin. And I'm like, yeah, like I love to see it, you know. Come home. That's an interesting. I haven't really heard heard that too much of of reducing that damage of being on these other dumb chains. And it was interesting when I first talked to Casey about this. He kind of gave me a hard time because I use Stacks, which is a layer two. It does have its own token. And before that, I'd never used any other chain at all. Like I got in Bitcoin 2011, never used anything. I remember when Ethereum launched, all these things, never touched it. Counterparty a little bit. And it wasn't until actually Monero, Monero was the first crypto that I used. It wasn't Bitcoin. And then after that stacks. So I remember, I think it was even in a Twitter space in like January, February, and he was giving me a hard time about it. And I was giving him a hard time about bloating the blockchain. And so who are you, <laughs> the maximalist? And I'm the maximalist telling you, you know, so it was fun. It was funny. But so how I saw it as, as like, I think I have cypherpunk principles. And so I think it's inscriptions are very cypherpunk. I mean, as I first thought of it, it's like, these are uncensorable transactions. They could have data, images, music, audio, video. So, hey, talk about a valid Bitcoin transaction. Oh, I 100% agree. And I think also, you know, if, if you really believe that Bitcoin will work, the reality is that inscriptions will become a very small percentage of transactions, right? Like right now, the reason why they're so popular is because, you know, that's that's what people are using Bitcoin for. But I think you know, even the act of inscribing, like it's, it's already a luxury in a way, right? Like you pay for all that data. It's expensive to put content yeah. on the Bitcoin blockchain and it's, it's only going to become more expensive. And so I think, you know, the concerns that people have about, you know, all this data or whatever, it's like people are paying for that. And, and if Bitcoin is being used for other things, those things, like the, the more frivolous, you know, uses of inscriptions will, will be priced out. Um, and I yeah. actually think that's that's something that makes it a lot better than just sort of like NFTs on other chains is you really have to believe in yourself and your ability to kind of sell what you're making when you inscribe, right? Like you have to invest in inscribing itself. And I think 
that's a nice filter in and of itself for what people actually put out there. Um, and yeah, especially I, I think as time goes on and fees go up, like that's just going to become more and more the case. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Sort of it's proof of work, classic proof of work. You have to pay for the transaction. And yeah, there's a few things I wanted to inscribe and I thought, eh, it's not worth the fees. I didn't care about it that much and I didn't pay for it. Other things I did pay hefty fees because it meant something to me and I wanted to inscribe it. And so you're right. It's a filter. Paying for it is naturally a filter. And you brought up in January when you saw these maximalists get mad about these things and misunderstanding things. So I, I want to talk about that for a minute, about the change in the people who were into ordinals. So you guys have been doing it for a while. You're in the Bay Area, lots of Bitcoiners there. Did you see a change in the crowd who were interested in it up until January? And then when the inscription tool came out and it really launched, what, what did you see in terms of change I sociologically? Would say yeah. Um, do you mean in terms of Bitcoiners or ordinals or like how much yeah, like both. ordinals people yeah. coming into? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, the people that were early on ordinals, a lot of them were people that knew Casey, right? Because like if you were friends with him, you just had to hear about ordinals. And like over time, you just you get like the ordinals brain worm and you just are thinking in like terms of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think like the Bay Area crowd, you know, everyone who goes to those meetups at that point had heard about ordinals like before inscriptions launched. Um, and then what was interesting is like, you know, the people that kind of picked up on inscriptions, it was like crypto people and sort of like fringe Bitcoin people, you know, mm. like it. it and I thought it was going to be maxis. Like I thought maxis were going to like ordinals, you know, um, but it's I would say those demographics like the maxis and the ordinals people are still pretty separate. Like I, I would like to see a lot more of that coming together, but I also think that Bitcoin is for everyone. And I think the idea of Bitcoin culture being this like monolithic sort of, this is how they are. This is what we do. We're the plebs and we're this way. Like, I mean, I personally don't fit into that, right? Like I'm yeah. a maxi hardcore and I wouldn't say that I'm kind of like the traditional, like stereotypical personality or persona of a maxi. Um, and I just think like, you know, Bitcoin culture is expanding. That's the way I see it. And for me, like, it's this weird kind of like astrology, esoteric spirituality. You know, a lot of those people are into art and culture as well. So they like ordinals and inscriptions. Like that's my niche that I'm into. And then I see like ordinals people that kind of come from like, you know, the NFT community kind of stuff. Like that's another niche. And then there's the maxis that, you know, have been around forever and they're hardcore Puritans, you know, like for me, it's there's space for everyone. Um, and I, I think it'd be ideal if there was less antagonism, but also it's Twitter. Like that's yeah, just the nature it, of the platform. Yeah. You know? Twitter isn't Bitcoin as we all know. It's, no, it's, no. It seems like it, but it's not. And I think I would fall into that group of sort of, I don't know, fringe Bitcoiner, but I sort of considered myself a maximalist because all those years I never used any other chain. And I was like, adamant against ethereum like i i've blocked so many people and they've blocked me over the years of <laughs> talking about ethereum and all these other things so like am i am a maximalist i was until i started to see this new form of it this intolerant unintelligent form of it and then i'm like i don't think i want to be identified as this but i think a true maximalist a true maximalist would welcome ordinals inscriptions because how finny right i mean he talked about cryptographic trading cards i mean you want to talk about bitcoin og no He's the Bitcoin OG. He's the ordinal inscription OG is Hal Finney. And so if Hal Finney thought this was a good idea, I mean, this is, he talked about before Bitcoin, obviously. Um, but I think if you're Hal Finney, I, I know Hal Finney. So I think, hey, if he thinks it's a good idea and he understood the, you know, the uh, cypherpunk concept of it, I mean, that's good enough for me. And so I do not understand this weird version of the maximus who are against it it's i think a lot of it are they are like married to a certain image and their friends yeah yeah i and agree that's more what it is <laughs> i agree I, I will say like you know when i went to miami i was like bopping back and forth between ordinals events and maxi events going back and forth and i was just trying to talk to as many people as i could and kind of get an idea of you know, I, I had met so many people through Twitter and that I didn't know in real life yet at that point from kind of more the ordinal side of thing. I knew the maxis. Um, and so I was trying to suss people out. And what I realized is like, people are so different <laughs> than the persona that they kind of put out on Twitter. And I think, you know, I, 
I was going to maxi parties and asking, what do you think about ordinals? What do you think about ordinals? I work on ordinals, you know? And I was trying to like see what people say. And I I don't think it runs that deep, like the the hatred. I think a lot of it has chilled out. Um, And I also think like ordinals will find its place in the market. Like, as I said before, like it is going to be a fringe use case of Bitcoin if Bitcoin succeeds. And I don't think it's it's really, you know, it, it'll it'll price itself out. And and I think maxis that have thought about it will will understand that. Um, but I don't know. I think a lot of it really is just Twitter and the kind of platforms that we're using for this sort of discourse, I don't think is like this is why I like podcasting, right? I would much mm-hmm. rather have a conversation with someone than go back and forth on the replies of a tweet like yeah, any day. <laughs> it's not worth it. Podcasts, you kind of have to use your brain a little bit listening to it and doing it. And then events, right? Like you you did the Aquarian Conspiracy event. We had Ordinals 2023 event. Events are so important to meet the person behind the Twitter handle, um, get the vibe. Like that's why like events are hard, as you know, but it's so, so important. And, and at the event, it was fun to meet people who've been talking about this for a while. And I, I don't want to miss the chance to talk to you, though, about this year, January, February, like the real pressure cooker. So I want to go back in time now. So it's right now it's July 2023. And let's go back to January, February 2023. And just kind of what was that like? Because that's like a pressure cooker for everyone, but especially you and Casey and, you know, that just kind of the, the people around then trying to deal with the protocol, trying to deal with everyone like, hey, what is this and why are you doing this in the pre- so can you just, what can you share about just like that time? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, you know, in some ways it was interesting. Like there were certain aspects of the, you know, the kind of discourse that was happening and the way things were playing out. There were certain aspects that were predictable, like that Casey, mm-hmm. I mean, Casey literally like game theory and thought through every possible scenario for ordinals and inscriptions Um, and so there were some aspects that felt like, oh my God, like this is actually playing out exactly as he thought it would, or we thought it would, it's just happening really fast, you know? Um, so there was some of that. And then there was also just some of like, you know, it's weird to get a bunch of attention overnight. Like, you know, how many podcast pre inscriptions was like, it was very, if you know, you know, you know, like it was oh, yeah. like, it was like 150 people were like, yeah, we love it. It was a hipster show. podcast. You're a hipster <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was, it was really weird to, you know, basically overnight just get all this attention. And I, I mean, obviously I was getting like a 50th of the attention that Casey was getting at that time. Um, and it's a weird experience. Like, I think, you know, a lot of people think that they want their project to blow up and for everyone to pay attention to it and be talking about it. But it's a very weird experience to open Twitter and you're scrolling and everyone's talking about you, you know, like Mm. I I think very few people go through something like that. And it was, it was bizarre to witness up close and to kind of experience like secondhand and in some cases firsthand. Um, But it was also cool and fun and exciting. And I, I think, you know, those times like early in ordinals like it changed my whole life like it's really crazy to be here in july and like think about what i was thinking in december of last year you know like everything has completely changed my life path and the things that i'm working on and all of that just like completely changed right um and yeah i think also just kind of on the protocol front you know this was something that was being developed meticulously you know casey's a perfectionist and it was being developed meticulously with no one like trying to use it, you know, like there weren't mm-hmm. all these DGENs being like when provenance, when, you know, like yeah, yeah. it was just a couple nerds. And I think going from an environment where, you know, you, you were working with a small team to now everyone's paying attention. And, you know, if, if it's something doesn't work, then you lose user funds and, you know, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It, it's stressful. Um, but I think like, like we've kind of found a good groove with it now. Like I think it took time. It took people kind of blowing up about it and figuring out like what's the right balance of like engaging with that or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is crazy. I mean, I think anyone who was around in that time like saw how crazy it was, you know? 
I, I imagine you guys could in your diary record what happened. And then, you know, <laughs> when you die, you could release your secret diary about everything that really happened in the conversations. Oh, yeah. And... Trust me. I'm, I'm thinking, like, how good is the memoir going to be in 50 years, you know? <laughs> See, that's why we can only say so much on the podcast. But we could at least say one or two things and then read Aaron's secret diary. Exactly. You know, one day, right? When she decrypts it. Um, when I when so, I put it on the blockchain, yeah, you when know? you put it on the blockchain and it, we can decrypt it, she figures out some cool new way to do that and uh, get the real details. But yeah, that's good about the the perspective. Now it's July, like you said, you can look back and say, "Wow, that was that was crazy." And one thing for me, I want to ask you about was there's this sort of um, divide between like the core devs, right? The the people who are really doing the heavy lifting, you know, Ralph and Ordinally and obviously Casey and a few others. And then you see the people making a lot of money, like a lot of money, who don't really contribute much. Is what's kind of the vibe there when you're seeing both, right? You're, you you have a great view of everything, you, the technical side, the art side, the astrology side. You kind of have a really good 360 view, I think, of ordinals and inscriptions. What can you say about that? Having been with these these people for months and months and months versus kind of this this other new group. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a really good question. Um, I mean, I think for a while, we were trying to figure out like, you know, how do we pay like, I mean, Casey paid for all of this out of pocket for a year and a half, like he did not work anywhere else. He paid his interns himself. Um, like he invested so much into this, right. And he's had a donation address, you know, since the beginning, and, and especially in the early days, people were sending a lot of you know, Bitcoin at that time or, or inscriptions, which is fun too. Um, and then like, you know, at some point we were like, okay, how do we do this? Like, like legally, like, is this like, like how do donations work? Whatever. We actually just formed a nonprofit entity as of a couple days ago. Well, I'm sure we'll announce it before this episode goes up. Um, but we do have, it's, uh, me, Raph, Ordinally and Casey, um, our, our, I guess the board, I'm still learning like how this stuff yeah. works. Yeah. Um, but we actually have a nonprofit now and we're planning on just continuing to do everything in terms of donations on the protocol side. I think it's really important that the protocol stays neutral. I think that's why ordinals is so good is that, you know, it's not being driven by degen desires, right? It's like, it's, it's not with that, not in mind at all. It's important to understand what people want and, and what people you know want to see in terms of new features like you should you should be aware of those things but i think you know keeping it neutral is is good and so i encourage anyone who's like made money on ordinals to you know donate to that and encourage you know the the protocol and the continued production yeah. there um but then in terms of like you know people making a lot of money to me it's just that's just what people are gonna do you know yeah. I, I mean i think like that's like something that if you're a Bitcoin maxi, you've been seeing that in crypto and like staying on your side for so long that it's like, I'm kind of desensitized to that. I think it's kind of funny. It's like interesting. Like it was funny to meet those people in person and be like, oh, this is what you're like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like, you know, we'll see, you know, I, in my mind, the protocol is not something that needs to evolve into infinity. Like I think at some point the protocol can be sort of done and like the major features that need to be released will be released. And, you know, there'll be some maintenance, that kind of thing. But I think the goal is to kind of keep the people working on the protocol neutral for now. And then, you know, Ordinals is going to be around for a long time, in my opinion. Like, I don't think there's any rush to degen out of control too yeah, soon, you know? Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you guys have actually set up a nonprofit. I ran a, a nonprofit that was focused on... Bitcoin and actually of all things real estate, trying to get the real estate industry to adopt Bitcoin. Oh, no way. 2014, 2015. Yeah, it was called the International Blockchain Real Estate Association. So I actually see a lot of value in nonprofits. Um, and I'm glad you guys are doing that because people need more than just a donation address. It helps people donate, but it's really helped if you have like, and it's not, it's not a centralization thing. It's not a power grab of the protocol, right? I think it's good you guys are doing this. It gives a face, it gives a formal way. There's things you can do differently. Like, like hey, if you donate this, we're gonna raffle off this thing or get this. It just, it's just more incentive. And so I think it's gonna help these these core developers uh, who do so much heavy lifting, thankless work often. And it just makes it easier for people to support them, 
So I'm glad to hear. So you guys will announce that at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a open ordinals Institute. That's the name of the nonprofit. We're like legally formed now. We're just like drafting up whatever kind of Twitter statement laws. or whatever we need to make. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that should be announced soon. And yeah, as I said, like, I think, I think it'd be great if there was kind of a culture around like, you know, donate some percentage of the profits of your collection to the protocol. Like, I think something like that would be a really nice model. And and there are some collections that have done that. Um, like Billy did that. I, I think it was for his Ordinal Shards collection. I, I think it was that one, but he did that. And I thought that was really great. Um, yeah, because, you know, if you benefit from it, why not throw a little bit towards it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's hard work. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, maybe at Ordinals uh, 2024, we could do something there. You guys could be up there, give the spiel. We could do a raffle or I don't know, something, but try to come up with something that's fun. So it gives people a good excuse to donate, whether it's an inscription or money itself. So that's that's really good to hear. Well, before we go, I think this is a good place to sort of start wrapping this up about the nonprofit, how to support the developers. So today, Aaron Redwing, what are you working on full time? What's your week day like? Exactly. So people know you besides just Twitter, like I know you're yeah. not a professional Twitter personality, but what do you actually do? Yeah, I mean, I have like 10 different things going on at any one time. As I said, my day job, I'm an astronomer, a planetary scientist. And then um, within ordinals, I kind of have a lot of different like little threads going. Um, you know, in terms of the nonprofit, I, I kind of just like help with the logistics of that. Um, I'm not a dev, I'm not writing code, but uh, just, you know, kind of like keeping things together and, and managing the stuff that needs to be managed, going back and forth with the lawyers, that type of shit, you oh, know, you. <laughs> learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. I'll say that much. Um, so yeah, the nonprofit, um, you know, I think docs.ordinals.com will be updated shortly with that, don like a new donation address and kind of information on that. Um, and I'm sure we'll post something on Twitter about it as well. So definitely encourage people to donate there. And then in terms of my projects, I'm really just trying to build out the Aquarian Conspiracy. Um, we have our Zodiac collection of the 12 Zodiac signs, which we actually sold four of them as VIP tickets for our event oh, cool. back in Miami. Oh, that was like- I remember that, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was interesting to kind of try out like selling inscriptions as, you know, you get the inscription, but you also get this like physical real world experience. Like I think, I think there's a cool thing there that I feel like more people should work on and develop. So- we have eight left after selling those four tickets. Um, and so we're auctioning off the first of those eight on July 17th. I think the auction is like 13 through 17 on scarce.city. Um, and basically we're like building out a discord. We're building out a community. We're trying to just like find other people that are interested in these sort of weird topics and bring everyone together. And, and you know, we'll have more in-person events in the future, all that kind of stuff. So just seeing where that goes and and trying to just like keep that going um, until, you know, the conference next year. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm sure I have other things, but, you know, that's that's like I, I try to prioritize a few things at a time. And then like once I have something running, then I'm like, OK, I'll pause on that for a little bit and go over here. But I think probably a lot of ordinals people can relate. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have three projects, three and a half projects and. I got to I got to eliminate one of them at some point. Yep, um, I know. <laughs> so so best place to find you is on is on Twitter than to follow. That's probably the best place. Yeah, at realizing Aaron. I mean, that's where everyone is, unfortunately. Like, I wish it wasn't that way. Maybe it won't be forever, but that's the best yeah. place to find me. <laughs> OK, and then final question. And this is a fun one. Do you own any inscriptions that you would never sell? If so, what are they and why? Oh, uh, I have the Hell Money podcast inscription that we made in the how to inscribe tutorial. It's very simple. It's literally just a text document that says like flame emoji, HMP flame emoji. But that emoji, like that, I'll never sell that inscription for sure. <laughs> and when did you guys inscribe that one? Uh, I think it's definitely a sub 1 million. I think it was like around like 780,000, something like that. So not super early, but you know, it's early enough. It was my first time inscribing that like tutorial. And I mean, literally we just like filmed, like screen recorded my Mac computer and then like went through the whole thing live. So anyone who's trying to inscribe, I think it's like a, a nice basic tutorial for how to do it. But that was literally my first time ever like inscribing or using those tools. So it was, yeah, That's I'll never sell one. that one. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> my, my first inscription was a screenshot of, uh, of Casey 
in his DM telling me about ordinals in December. So that was my first inscription. So nice. <laughs> I don't know if Casey knows that maybe he does, but that's, that's one of mine that I would never sell. Cause it's, it's meaning. And like, so to close off, you talking about like, what are we going to leave you know behind us on earth and how we'll be remembered? What are we inscribing? Well, for you, you inscribed hell money podcast and teaching about ordinals. That's a good one. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I like it. Well, Aaron, thanks for coming on the Ordinals podcast. Everyone follow Aaron on Twitter. Watch for the Aquarian Conspiracy next year. Look out for the nonprofit that they formed and support Aaron and the team. So thanks. Thanks again, Aaron. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review our show. Subscribe to the Ordinals podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite app, and follow us on Twitter at the Ord Pod. Drop us a line at podcasts at ord.media for topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to interview. Ordinals 2024 conference is taking place in Nashville. Early bird passes are available now. Visit ord.media and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks for listening to the Ordinals podcast produced by Ord Media.